the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great program today. In a few moments, we'll talk with John Schlafly, and then we'll speak with Gregory Wrightstone of the CO2 Coalition, an old friend of mine. Uh, Inconvenient Facts is the name of his book. And so welcome to the Pro-America Report. Uh, just days away from the red tsunami that I've been predicting for months and months and months, it'll be bigger even than people are telling you today. It's starting to uh, take shape. Uh, the way you know uh, that this is a bigger thing than people realize is you watch money, you know, the money, the show me the money, follow the money filter. And the follow the money filter in this case shows that Democrats are spending in safe Democrat seats in the House and Republicans are spending in reaches because it's all flowing that direction. I would say at this point it's 54, maybe 55 U.S. senators are Republican and plus 75, maybe more in the House for the Republicans. It's a it's a it's a sweep. And it's a sweep because, in my opinion, uh, people realize, recognize the direction of the country is the wrong direction. They're going to punish the p- party that appears to be in power uh, the most. I mean, there's plenty of other factors at play here that are bigger than just the Biden administration, but it's Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, and the American people are sick of it. And especially they're sick of uh, Biden's uh, lack of leadership. His stumbling, bumbling routine is old for a country that believes in our own uh, greatness and, and success and ability. But that's not what you need to know today. What you need to know today is I want to warn you and alert you. And I've got two guests on this topic today that will help us think this through. I want to warn you and alert you as we race to the finish line. And hopefully where you live, you're voting for the good guys. California getting closer and closer uh, uh, to some real competitiveness. Uh, the state comptroller, uh, Len he Chen, is running the Republican. He's got more of a chance uh, today than yesterday and growing every day. We'll see what happens. It's still tough. Still tough structurally very tough the numbers are tough but um lots happening but what you need to know is as we rush towards this this wave election and it will be a vindication of the trumpian policies it will be an indictment an ending of the biden regime what happens when you get power is what is going to matter in the eyes uh, and in the memories of the american people so The Speaker of the House will likely be Kevin McCarthy. The head of the Senate will be, again, Senator McConnell. They'll have a chance to set a vision going forward, but it will come down to specifics over the next year or so where people get a sense of what you're doing. And here's my encouragement. We have had a number of guests on the program. Uh, I can think Adam Andrzejewski is the most famous. He runs OpenTheBooks.com that have taught us We need to let the sun shine in, let the sun shine in the swamp and we'll find out we'll uncover a lot of swampiness, a lot of the a lot of the beasts and and, uh, swamp weevils and other things we will uncover them. That's good. Transparency is very good. A lot of the oversight and investigatory committees coming out of the House and Senate will seek to do that. However, there needs to be a vision of 
changing how things are done in the swamp. And the two aspects of that that I want to put out there and I want you to understand, and they are what you need to know, is one, giving up power, and two, making sure the power that does exist in the swamp is distributedly appropriately between the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. Because right now, the balance is way in favor of the president, the executive branch. So those two things, what you need to know are those two aspects of this. Can we have a vision where the the actual people in power give up power? And the best ways to do that will be to return to people the decision-making authority either to themselves or to their more local communities. So, for example, there could be a patient's, excuse me, a parent's bill of rights that could come from the federal level that says we are not going to allow the federal government to say what the mandates are for your children, let's say on, on vaccines. We're going to leave it to the states. We're going to return that to the states. Education. They could say some some of the laws that would say we are not going to allow the federal government to dominate these things. Now, the problem is a lot of times states choose to opt in out of pressure, right? It's the carrot and the stick, and the carrot is the money that the federal government employs. But my point is that we need a vision amongst conservatives, Republicans, to reduce the power of the government. It could be under uh, the many prosecutions that are going on. It could be other ways. But in the old days, you would have the sunshine in, oversight, transparency, and then nothing change. So, for example, Lois Lerner was uncovered at the IRS as targeting conservative groups, but nothing was changed. In fact, in the last six months, they passed another bill that says 87,000 new agents will work at the IRS. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to target people, somebody. They're going to target somebody. And who their boss tells them to target is who they're going to target. We need to decrease the number of ways that the federal government is controlling and influencing our lives that go beyond our, our the scope. Here's another one, though. Here's one that's important. The second point, what you need to know, balancing the power. If the executive branch has gotten too powerful, and it has, then the legislative branch, Article 1 of the Congress, needs to pull it back. And there's ways they can do that. For example, you could say, hey, Article 1, we have the war powers. We're the ones that declare war. Before you go rattling sabers and sending military equipment, we want to vote. Now, the problem is most of the Congress are chicken. They don't want to take hard votes. They want to let the let the Bush administration, W. Bush, go fight the war. And if it goes bad, they'll blame him. They want to let uh, the Trump administration go do whatever. They'll blame him, whatever. Well, we got to have some courageous people that step up and do that and say, hey, we'll take this responsibility. Here's another one. The Congress could say to the executive branch, we know that you are uh, constitutionally allowed to do certain things as to law enforcement. We recognize that. That is in the Constitution, the balance of power. We pass the laws, the executive enforces them. However, because we want to create a, a nation of trust and the rule of law, when you surveil an American citizen, you must disclose that within 48 hours to a member of Congress. Pick one, whoever it is. And so, same thing with auditing. If you audit an American citizen, IRS, you must notify the Congress. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean we're telling you not to do it. We're just telling you we want to know. That would change everything. Now, that's actually transparency, but that's a a check on the balance, right? We have had a situation where the Supreme Court has gotten all powerful, the executive branch and the president has gotten more powerful, and Congress sits around and does sound bites. Well, sound bites fail in the modern era. 
that maybe they worked back when you could have a soundbite that held uh, the people's uh, attention for, you know, uh, for uh, uh, months and years. Have you no shame? Senator McCarthy, is that the phrase that was asked? Whatever the phrasing, you know, all the that, that doesn't work anymore. That doesn't work anymore at all because the, everything moves too fast. The whole, the whole dynamic of governing moves too fast. So back to my point, what you need to know is it's going to be a victory for conservatives. It's going to be a rejection of the Biden regime. That's great. Now what? And the answer is not just transparency, not just letting the sunshine in, not just putting our eyes on it, but then doing things to reduce the power of federal government, of the federal government, and to strengthen the co-equal the branches. They're not even co-equal, by the way. The, the, the U.S., uh, the, the judiciary is supposed to be the weakest. Nobody expected the executive branch to get this powerful. Nobody. It wasn't designed that way. In fact, largely because we changed the tax code and we changed the Constitution to allow federal income tax, you suddenly had a government that was so big and powerful. Back in the old days, it wasn't that good to be in the, say, Congress. It wasn't that much fun. It wasn't that, it'd be better to be a governor than it would be to be secretary of a department in the federal government because governor had more power and interesting jobs and all the rest. So that's what you need to know. And if you see leaders talking about a vision for this kind of change, then the Republicans will be making an argument about why people would say, oh, I like their side. And of course, because Biden, by definition, will have to resist it, he'll have to veto everything and resist it, you'll have a contrast and say, this is what we want to do going forward. I think that's the not only the best hope, but it's also the best way forward. I think it's the best hope because I think it would be good for the country. I also just think there's otherwise we're just yelling at each other. And, you, and, and if the Republicans get in office and fall back on the same old playbook and they do governing by soundbite, Fox News soundbite, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work very well. In fact, I know it's not going to work very well. So that's what you need to know today. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk with John Schlafly about his column, which is about let the sun shine in on the Pelosi uh, debacle. Paul Pelosi, what's going on there? Well, what's going on? And to my, my mind, it could be a model. Let's let the sun shine in, show the videotapes, everything. Let's get it out. I don't Personally, I don't think it's anything untoward. I think he's a rich old dude. He might have been drinking, whatever. I don't think it's anything. But let's let the sun in. Let's let the sun shine in and see what we got. And then do that for January 6th and all sorts of others. And uh, we'll, we'll talk with John in a minute. And we will also talk with Gregory, well, excuse me, Gregory Wrightstone. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes a column each week with his brother Andy Schlafly, continuing the tradition of the late Phyllis Schlafly, who wrote a weekly column for decades and decades, almost 50 years. And uh, John and Andy's column runs over at townhall.com and is always archived at phyllisschlafly.com. You can see going back over these uh, months, uh, these columns are often uh, predictive of what's happening and certainly uh, fearless in their uh, identification of the issues and so welcome back john how are you fine ed how are you today i'm doing fine i'm doing fine i'm getting ready for the red tsunami as you and i were talking off the air but let's talk about this paul pelosi situation here um you you i thought you and andy honed in on something the column is entitled san fran dems should release the evidence at this point we're in the same situation we're in with almost every great hoax in this country and 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 i don't even know if it's true or not true i don't know what's true but we've been told x We've been told to believe X. We've been shown snippets that look like X is possible from the government, from the media, from the big tech. 
and yet we don't really see everything. You know, it's like January 6th, there's 10, 14,000 hours of video. It's not all national security, and yet it's not available. People can't take a look. In San Francisco, we know, I don't know, we know almost nothing except what we've been fed. Well, that's right. And when you have a complete ones party uh, government, which they have out there, it's like Washington, D.C. It's like 95 percent Democrat. Uh, all the officials are Democrat. You know, there's there's got to be accountability because this is a national issue. Nancy Pelosi has a high ranking position in Washington and uh, they can't just treat this like some uh, we've got to have both parties involved. We've got to have transparency we've got to have disclosure and we don't have that the such there's so many uh important facts about that strange bizarre incident that haven't been explained and evidence not disclosed like the like the cameras you know um you know like the 911 call um you know I'm not saying I I have no information about it, but we just need to see all that. So we're all satisfied. What is the uh, what I I guess part of me says if if it had happened a little differently, I would have said it. Well, it's kind of none of our business. You know, she wasn't there. So I hate to I hate to rehash this. I did it yesterday on the program years ago when I was chief of staff to the governor of Missouri. I met with the highway patrol and they guard the, the governor. And I said, what do you guys need from me? And the guy laughed. He said, not much. Just get out of our way. And he said, never get between a dog and his bone. In other words, they joke. We used to joke. They don't care if I get killed. They, they care about the governor. I, they don't care about Paul Pelosi. They care about Nancy Pelosi. Now, I guess they do for purposes of blackmail and others. But had it been a, a different kind of context, break in, uh, exchange of, of uh, pleasantries and, you know, hitting whatever would have been, uh, if that's what happened, would have been sort of a, a nothing burger, um, to quote Van Jones. But the fact that they made it into more, that the initial coverage by the press, by the police, by the Pelosi's was that it was something more. And Joe Biden jumped right in on it. Now you want to say before you can assert to us that it's some MAGA hothead. Now that's what you've said. Give us the facts. Right. I mean, that's the in some ways they decided to make this political. Now it's political. Yes. And and evidence is there that's still being withheld and. So why not just put it all out on the record so we can all and and of course even if the you know the cameras and the nine one one tapes are released that's the most obvious thing but that would still leave some strange unanswered questions like why was there no security right I mean was there a security system was it activated or turned off why was there why was there no guards I mean Nancy Pelosi is in charge of the U.S. Capitol Police, and that's a federal agency that's responsible for protecting her even at her home in San Francisco. And she had them set up an office in San Francisco, and yet when it came to her home, they were nowhere to be found. So it's all very strange. Well, and John, you know, I'm reminded of, remember um, when uh, Senator Grassley came over to the Phyllis Schlafly Center in D.C., and he was at that time in the majority, which made him, what, Senate President Pro Tem, which put him in line for the presidency behind Pelosi, I think, right? Isn't that, that, am I getting it right? I believe that's right. And he had security security to the hilt, right? Yes, he did. 
And, so and uh, you, you so, so your point is on this, I guess you're right, then, is that they, they would have to have more secure. I mean, I, I've been around people that are high level and they don't have much and you're surprised by it. And But I get I guess if you're talking about Pelosi's number three in line, I mean, this is not a small thing. This would be a major thing. What What is your yes. uh, and the secu- and the security extends to her family? So right. it's not just Nancy, but it's her husband. So where were they? What is the uh, what is the best? What's your best idea of an explanation? We're talking with John Schlafly about his column. What, what's the explanation here? It, 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 I mean, do, is it is it uh, laziness? Is it uh, political spin? Is it something more nefarious? What's your bet? Well, I, I'm uh, I, I, you know I hate to speculate uh, without information. I, I I would prefer to just say I mean, look, we we're the, we're the American people need to know what went down last Friday. And we haven't been told uh, or the certain information has been dribbled out. Uh, Some of the, you know, and they're accusing, uh, you know, uh, ordinary Americans of being buying into conspiracy theory. But the fact is that the initial statements by the police themselves turned out to be incorrect. And so we've got to have the facts but no, let's get going on this. Uh, the, and this needs to be out before the election, because what the Democrats are doing are trying to bootstrap uh, the assault on Mr. Pelosi into another January 6th. And they're using that as an effort. This is their closing argument for the election that's going to take place next Tuesday. They're trying to portray this as an example of uh, political violence by Trump supporters which is totally, totally wrong and untrue and ridiculous. Well, but they're getting away with it in the absence of facts. Well, I suppose that's right. I mean, and that maybe that's maybe it's using a, a an event as a, a October surprise. But I, don't, I think it's tin eared. I don't think it works. I mean, I don't think. It, in fact, the, the reality is the Pelosi's live in, in San Francisco, where the country knows it's just a disaster because of the, the crime and everything else. So I'm not sure it works. What's your sense, John, just a few days before the election, uh, the, the midterm elections? Do you have any uh, uh, growing? I know we, we talked off the air. We both think there's a lot of places where there can be. Uh, conservative slash Republican success. But what's your sense? Well, I'm very optimistic for the results, uh, although I'm a little concerned that so many places, so many races are still so close. I mean, how is it really possible that that guy Fetterman in Pennsylvania is still holding that race in a dead heat? I mean, that is puzzling to me. How can anyone take him seriously? And yet that's what the polls seem to say. But I do think that the momentum is moving in the Republicans' direction, and that will tip the scales uh, next week. Although, and of course, you know, in certain states, and Pennsylvania's one, we're not going to have the results on election night. Um, uh, now, the court did rule just yesterday, Ed, uh, that undated mailing ballots yeah, cannot be that. counted. Yeah, that, yeah, they they can be put aside. And then what will happen is, if it turns out that there are enough undated ballots to make the difference in who wins, then they will go back and we'll have to go have another court case about what to do about them. They may go to the U.S. Supreme Court again. Well, that's what I wondered about. That is that is that the uh, likely is it likely to get to the uh, to the Supreme Court because it feels like it's not going to stop there, right? There's going to be well, yeah, 
if if there's enough undated mail ballots that would decide the uh, the race for Senate. Yes, that's what would happen. I see. Oh, so there, there, it would be um, it would be after the it would be either after the election, right after the election or maybe on the, the day or two before when they can see that. Yeah. I see. Uh, so we might not know the results in Pennsylvania. And if that de- determines the, you know, the 51st vote, uh, we could be on hold for a couple of weeks or more. Hmm. Well, it certainly seems like, uh, you know, the one thing uh, take away, ex- extrapolate from the column, John, John Schlafly is our guest. He writes the Schlafly report each week uh, asking release the evidence. I mean, one thing that you have to hope is if the Republicans get some control, either at the federal level in the U.S. Congress or in some of our uh, state houses or state legislatures, more sunshine, more sunshine on what's gone on. Get the facts out, because right now we're misled by the uh, they get the um, by the government working with the media and, and big tech. You know, the report that came out in the last few days it's not a surprise many of us sort of knew it and asserted it but it's very specific that you know government officials meeting with the big tech guys saying here's what we want here's what we think is misinformation in 2020 in the in the in the in the trump administration i guess their comeback would be yeah we're we're not partisan we just did it but you look at it and you say no you know this is the um, power of a big tech and big media and it sure looks like they're misleading us a lot yes and apparently uh, some of those tech companies provided a private access yes, pipeline yes. communication yes. channel yes. so yes. that the complaints by the Biden administration could go right to the top and get immediate action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was there was a special portal where you could go. They could the government folks could go. Uh, incredible. All right, John Schlafly, thank you as always uh, for coming on the Schlafly reports over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com, a weekly column. He'll be out. Uh, he works on the column on Tuesdays, so it'll be election day. We'll see what he can put together by late Tuesday night, next Tuesday on the election, and we'll have him back next week. And we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just a couple weeks ago, we had my friend Gregory Wrightstone on. We were, at the time, talking about the fifth anniversary of his book, which is uh, experiencing an even uh, resurgence, as we say. It's five years in. It's called Inconvenient Facts. You can check it out wherever you get books. Uh, And we talked a lot about his work over at the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org. He's the executive director, and on and on and on. But I said to him at the time, it's been too long. I got a couple emails from my uh, friend that listen to the program, you all, and saying, hey, that was great to have him back. And so Gregory Wrightstone's back because uh, our old friend Greta Thornburg is back in the news. I, she's 19 years old now. I thought she was like, you know, six or eight or 10, and I guess people grow up. But now she's telling what she really thinks. It's a fairly extraordinary um, confessional moment about her thoughts on the world economy, huh, Gregory? Yeah, it is. You know, we've all, we've, you and I have talked before about What's really behind this this movement to to ban fossil fuels, go to net zero, uh, stifle development in the world? And I, I've I've heard you say before, you know, you think it's really anti-capitalist right, and right. anti-human. And and Greta Thunberg has has just come out. I think it was yesterday, and just and confirmed that she said, "No, we need to go beyond environmentalists. Uh, we need to tear down the capitalist system." and and basically, we need to go to uh, communism or socialism. But she says we need to destroy the capitalist system, uh, which is what we've suspected all along. 
And now they're saying it out loud and confirming our suspicions. Well, and and we're talking with Gregory Wrightstone, uh, again, the CO2 Coalition. You can go over CO2Coalition.org, a lot of uh, there, a lot of uh, publications and things. But what's, you know, I, I used to say things like, well, who cares what a 12-year-old, 15-year-old girl says? I mean, in the sense, you know, I mean, it, it's like when uh, years ago when somebody told my uncle, Michael Jordan says vote for so-and-so, and my uncle's point was I trust him with basketball. I don't trust him with my elective. And I can take recommendations. Well, the problem with Greta was that, they, that the media really did make her into to a an icon and a lot of people in the world they don't have time to read and think about these things too deeply and they see this iconic person they think oh wow look at that and as you point out they let her keep the sheen of sort of innocence and no answers until now and now she's basically said, yeah, you know, it's just a game. Um, you know, I mean, oh, no, that's not fair. She says beyond, as you point out, beyond environmentalism, we need to go further. And this is the further I see. I kind of wonder, Gregory, if this is the fruit of the of the problem or if it's the root. And what I mean by that is someone like her was told, hug trees, be kind, isn't it beautiful? And they fester in that juice for a while. And then they are also then fed the next step. As opposed to being a communist and anti-capitalist and saying, this is a good playbook. I think some of the organizers are doing that. I think a lot of people are duped into being told, don't you care about the environment? Don't you care about our earth? Don't you love creation? And then pretty quickly after a while, they're, they're, they're taking the next step. Well, I think you're right about a lot of people, that, especially the young people. That's all they've been told is that. Uh, the earth is being destroyed because of our, uh, if you'll forgive the pun, sins of emission <laughs> and that, that our, our, our CO2 emissions and methane and now uh, nitrous oxide is, is now the new demon molecule. And we can talk a little bit about that in just a bit. Um, but as you, as you learn about Greta Thunberg, we find out she, she was raised in a socialist communist household. And she, she learned these things at an early age uh, from her parents. And so this may have grown out of that, out of that Marxist philosophy. Uh, and, and it was easily melded. Wasn't it with this anti fossil fuel uh, rhetoric? And it's the anti, if you, if you tear down the Western world, if you're going to do that, a good way to start would be to ban fossil fuels. Uh, that have lifted billions of people uh, and enable the, the empowers the world. And we're actually feeding the world because of of, um, of of nitrogen fertilizers. And so we need to. Uh, these are these are big big things, and it's just part of. It feeds into this Marxist agenda, I think. Um, hey, uh, Greg, we're talking with Gregory Wright, Gregory Wrightstone, and uh, again, um, his uh, book, which you should have if you don't have it on yourself, Inconvenient uh, Facts, and uh, it is uh, well, available everywhere you have books. But, uh, can, I, can, I, can I jump in for, yeah, right yeah, on that? Please. So as it turns out, we we had such a run on books. Yeah. Obviously, after your last uh, interview. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But uh, – uh, we've only got eight left in inventory and our, our seventh printing run wow. uh, is delayed. We, we, we're like, we're, I was promised today it'll be in before Thanksgiving, but we'll probably run out of books over the next couple of weeks. Um, 
maybe this week uh, or soon. Uh, so if you've thought about it, now you better go buy one now. Yeah, yeah. Inconvenient we're, facts because yeah. we're gonna we're gonna run out. Uh, the uh, we're talking again with Gregory Wright. So tell me about that the, the way you referred refer to the the magic molecule or, or the the language that you've been using. I've heard you talk yeah. about it before. Yeah, we call we call we call carbon dioxide the miracle molecule. There you go. Sorry, they call it the demon molecule. Uh, we're we're calling water. Water's got some interesting. We don't we won't go into it today, but water's just got some fascinating properties. We call that the magic molecule because of the these various properties that water, water vapor, ice, you know, the very property, various properties that, that water takes on. Uh, right now, though, Ed, the new demon molecule is nitrous oxide, N2O. Mm. Now, that's not to be confused. You'll find that most of the atmosphere is made up of nitrogen, right. not nitrous oxide. Right. And there's also NO2, which is different. It's nitrous oxide that is a greenhouse molecule. Uh, and it's it's being blamed again for more global warming. And now they're 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 saying, well, we have to get rid of nitrogen fertilizers, which are almost required for modern day farming. Uh, it, and they're they're trying to do away with that. We saw what happened. Sri Lanka in 2020 uh, abandoned nitrogen fertilizers across the country. They just banned it. And within nine months, the country collapsed because they had an agricultural uh, nation was their biggest export was agriculture and it just collapsed because they can't you can't grow crops without this and again in the netherlands the netherlands are talking about taking over 50 percent of the farmland because of this irrational fear fear of of n2o and, and ed i'm i'm proud right now what i'm doing i'm right in the middle of a, we've got a new paper on nitrous oxide and climate that i'll hopefully will publish later today or tomorrow it's an important document. There's nothing else available out there. In this new paper, I explore, well, actually, it's Dr. Will Happer, a steam physicist, and several other physicists and chemists, uh, took a look at the, the warming effect. What warming effect does this have? And according to Dr. Happer, it's well less from the, the warming effect from nitrous oxide. Are you ready? I hope you're, not, yeah, hope yeah, you're sitting yeah. down. I'm, it's I'm, less I'm, than one-tenth of one degree of warming by the year 2100. And what they want to do for one less than one tenth, we can't even hardly measure that. For that, they want to, they want to shut down agricultural productivity, probably lead to millions of people in hunger, if not starvation, uh, all, all for this, for virtually non-existent warming from this. And, and again, there, this is the new demon molecule. Uh, it goes... Now it's right alongside carbon dioxide and methane as the third demon molecule. Uh, and we should praise all these. Earth is much better because of more CO2 and our crops and agriculture are much better because of nitrogen fertilizer. Do you, um, uh, we're talking with Gregory Wrightstone again, uh, you can go to inconvenientfacts.xyz, that's where you can see the book, and uh, and you can get it on Kindle too, by the way, if you have that way, that you won't have to wait on that one, uh, as well as um, uh, his work at the CO2coalition.org. Um, Gregory, do you sense a, um, 
I know you always feel momentum this way and that way in the arguments, but in some ways, even though it's the worst of times, the Biden regime's policies are really bad for trying to be energy independent and make things work well. It sort of has helped clarify uh, the mindset for a lot of people. I mean, do you feel like you have real momentum right now? And do you think you can sustain it in terms of a vision going forward? Well, in terms of climate change, I do. I've been very I have been extremely optimistic for some quite some time now, going back the last couple of years, because, as you know, I travel the country. I speak various places and and I just talk about this to random people I meet. Uh, my, my wife's tired of it, by the way, but <laughs> but I just talk to people and everybody's just about every single person I talk to is thirsty for this information that we talk about, the rational, true facts of climate change. And they've, they've never heard a lot of this before. So I'm no, I, I, I end a lot of my, my emails and conversations with we are winning and we are, we're winning the debate among the minds of people. Uh, we have to fight with some in the GOP that, that don't quite get it. There are people out there like conservative climate, whatever it's conference or whatever, Benji backers group that they're promoting a conservative solution to climate change. Well, no, there's, their solution is a solution in search of a problem. They want to spend, oh, well, we don't want to spend three and a half trillion dollars. We just want to spend eight hundred and fifty billion. Well, no, we should, one penny spent to solve a non-existent crisis, non-existent emergency is one penny too much. And, and we need to fight this, this effort in the GOP to try and co-opt them. Mm-hmm. Again, to to spend billions and trillions of dollars to solve a non-existent crisis. Well, I hate to. I, this may sound negative. But I don't mean it. So it may be that in the next two years, if there's Republicans in the House and Senate at the national level, um, at the federal in the federal Congress, you you have a chance to um, contrast with the Biden regime's messaging. Right? It's like what well, these are the two choices. I'm not sure we'll get much done. I mean, I'm not sure you'll get you get the break the logjam because I think the, the the executive branch and the White House are full of real leftists. They're not gonna they're not gonna triangulate. On this issue, I don't think, uh, but you certainly will have a chance to persuade and send maybe you know a, a pack, a couple of a couple of dozen new members that could be per, you know could come in with a fresh sense uh, of what. They- and, and we and we we do see that, uh, Ed. I'm I'm encouraged. I'm not going to mention any names here, but there's a very powerful uh, GOP senator that we're trying to arrange a one-hour meeting. Uh, with me to sit down, spend one hour with him. He'll be um, a key, powerful senator in charge of the, one of the more uh, powerful uh, committees, too. And he'll be just one that we'll be meeting with. And and I've already met with uh, people I'm pretty sure will be elected coming up this in the new house. Well, uh, I hope we're already meeting. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they're listening, and I hope they're uh, Inconvenient Facts is the book, inconvenientfacts.xyz, and uh, you can uh, find out all of Gregory Wright's own stuff over there, uh, and also co2coalition.org for more on his work. Uh, thanks, Gregory. i got to run. We'll talk again very soon. Thanks, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. Don't forget, I'll put all this up on uh, social media so you can see it, all those links to those, uh, and we will be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. 
Judicial activism has run amok, and judges are now legislating from the bench, completely without accountability or consequences. Republicans must look for guidance to the roots of our party 160 years ago, when it rose from obscurity by criticizing the judicial activism of the infamous Dred Scott decision. Abraham Lincoln was a political loser until he started hammering the popular Stephen Douglas about that ruling, which tried to extend a pro-slavery view nationwide. Stephen Douglas was a skilled attorney and orator. He tried to seek a middle ground between the pro-slavery federal court system and a populace that was increasingly fed up with judicial supremacy. Douglas finally lost his credibility when he could not give coherent answers to questions posed by Lincoln in Freeport, Illinois, about what the full import of the Dred Scott decision would be. When one branch of government oversteps its power, the remedy under our Constitution is for the other branches of government to push back or refuse to comply, as many presidents and congresses have done throughout our history. In his first inaugural address, Abraham Lincoln repudiated the Dred Scott decision as wrong and declared that it was not binding on the other branches of government or on anyone who was not a party to that case. The Republican Party platform of 1860 objected to how Democrats were imposing their agenda through the use of the federal courts in matters of a purely local interest. By standing up against the abuse of power by federal courts, Republicans quickly became the majority party. Conservatives must take a lesson from our forefathers if we are to successfully battle this wave of judicial supremacy by the federal courts. We need legislators with solid backbones to hold these power-grabbing judges in line. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Can activist judges be stopped, or will they continue to overturn laws with no regard for the Constitution or the will of the people? Connect with us at phyllisschlafly.com to hear alerts on rulings made by never-elected supremacist judges and to share your viewpoint. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, let's do an update here. Let me break this down for you. The Pennsylvania court case, uh, excuse me, Pennsylvania Supreme Court case uh, that John Schlafly referred to earlier. Uh, the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has, since 2020, been arguing about whether ballots that are mailed in that are not dated or dated incorrectly, whether they should count. And in Pennsylvania in 2020, in a race that was decided by, I don't know, 50,000 votes? Is it, I think it might be around 55,000 votes. Uh, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said in 2020, three justices says you can't count ballots that are undated. And three justices, Democrats, said, yes, you can. You have to. And the fourth justice broke the tie, a, a Republican, a, a disgruntled Republican. And she said, you should allow them to be counted this year, 2020, but not after that. Well, what kind of reasoning is that? I suspect she was doing COVID stuff. I didn't read her opinion. I didn't reread it. I remember hearing it at the time. Here's what just happened. 
the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has said you cannot count those those ballots. You cannot count them. They cannot be if they're undated, they can't be counted. And now, look, what I want to tell you and what you need to sort of understand here is this is an example of how the Democrats were ready to fight on every single corner, every single street corner in 2020. And they won all these fights. They prepared and they had tons of money and they worked really hard and they got ready and they won them. And so this case, they didn't win. And the court order said, no, you're not going to count that. And 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 actually, the court is uh, one. uh, They've got one vacancy because a a justice uh, uh, died. And so they're actually a low, low staff. There's an election. But the fact is, this is the kind of thing that should have happened in 2020. And maybe the numbers wouldn't be big enough to sway the election. I don't even know. But it would certainly two things would be affected. One, you'd have a different number. And, and so it might be that there's other um, uh, aspects of uh, the election that get more interesting because they're tighter and you got to go check them again. But two, people would have confidence in the voting system if they didn't feel like it was gamed, that it was fixed, that it was fortified. That's the word that the Democrats use. They fortified this election. A lot of Americans feel like they fortified it in the favor of their guy or gal, depending on what level they were at, but certainly their guy at the top level for president. So good for Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, to get that right. And now we'll see what happens in uh, November, because whoever is governor of Pennsylvania appoints the person to be secretary of state and supervise the elections. So if it's a Democrat, it'll continue with the policies they've had, which have been let everything count and be wide open. If it's a Republican, Doug Mastriano, well, might be a little different. That's going to be one to watch. That's election night to watch. So um, anyway, thank you very much to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, associate producer. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.